All right, I have a few comments that I want to address before we get to the new outline. A couple of last-minute comments relative to last week's lesson and where I left off, uh, which was in Gospel of John 14. Uh, and Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <clears throat> one of the most exclusive verses in the Bible. And as I said to you, it is the verse that turns a lot of people off in the world about Christianity. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that there's only one way. They want to do it their own way. And so as I left off last week, I said that there are, Paul speaks about three ways in this world that people <clears throat> have determined that they can come to God on their own. All right, the first one is natural theology. I talked a little bit about it last week. And those are the people who say, well, I don't really worship a personal God. I really go out into nature. I see nature, and I, and I, and I really commune with nature. And as I commune with nature, it, it is a spiritual experience. Uh, and Paul comments about how sad this is because your prayers are not going to be answered by a rock. All right? I'm not going to be answered by a mountain. All right? You could sit there all day long and commune, and you're basically wasting your time. You're worshiping the creation, not the creator. All right? And so this is one of the things I'm giving you these things because these are issues that are probably going to come across your radar screen as you speak to people in the world. The second thing that Paul spoke about, which I think is right on the money, is what I would call secular humanism. Those are the people who elevate the human condition, human morality. I believe in the innate goodness of humanity. I want to elevate the innate goodness of humanity. I believe in, in, in leading a good and moral life. That is the way I'm going to God. God is going to recognize my morality as I elevate the human condition and that will be how I determine I go to God. Bzz. Open the trap door. Gigantic mistake. Anybody who has ever really introspectively looked deep within their heart has found a massive black hole. There is no innate goodness in humanity. All you have to do is put two six-month-old six kids together in a crib with one toy. I give you five minutes and somebody's going to be crying. Somebody's going to get hit in the head. That is the innate goodness of humanity uh, at a very evidential level. That's what we're dealing with. And here's the other thing, and I told you that I had practical experience of this because I was the president of, a, of an elite prep school uh, that incorporated an ethics curriculum uh, in all of the grades so that in every grade from kindergarten through 12th, Ethics was incorporated into their studies, no matter what it was. If it were mathematics or history or science, ethics was incorporated. It was, it's a great idea. It's great for people that don't know God. Um, and and uh, it was so outstanding that we got an award, Blue Ribbon Award from the White House. I told you that I went to the White House uh, to get that award for the, on behalf of the school. But I one day turned to the headmaster who derived this curriculum, and I said to him, you know, as great as this curriculum is, you know what it's missing? Grace. Humanity cannot live and see God, cannot live by, by this ethics curriculum, cannot live according to Aristotelian ethics without the overwhelming grace of Jesus Christ. Sure, you know the rules. 
Yes, you know, don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Uh, don't do so many other th bad things. You know the rules. But without the overpowering grace, uh, gift of grace from Jesus Christ, you're doomed to fail. That's what the Jews did. We have the law. They knew the law. They just couldn't live on the law. And so you can't get to God because you've memorized a series of ethics. You can't get to God because you're raising human morality. That's number two. And the third one might surprise you. The third thing that many people do in their own way, as they believe, to reach God is what I will refer to as religious formalism. That means I will go to church. I will be involved in the rituals. I will be baptized. I will take communion. And as I'm there taking these rituals and doing these rituals without a heart conviction, but merely doing the rituals for the sake of doing rituals, and you know that there are many denominations out there in which the rituals become effectively the very defining moment of how they believe you come to God. You don't come to God through rituals. You understand? I don't care how many times you've been baptized. It's the baptism isn't bringing you to Jesus Christ. That's not salvation. That's a testimony to the world. But the question becomes, the question becomes, where's your heart? Uh, and this is a big deal. And I'm going to focus for the next few minutes on the issue of religious formalism because I think it's, it's a relevant topic for a crowd like this. It's a relevant topic for people that come to church uh, and need to be disabused of the idea that mere church attendance is the way to God. All right? All right? When Jesus said, I am the way, he didn't mean, he didn't mean that a religious formality was the way. He meant through him personally, relying on him personally. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge in truth. How great is the writing here, by the way? Verse 21, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you have, have not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirement, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who 
even though you have the written code and circumcision are a lawbreaker. How's that? He doesn't hold any punches. So merely having the law, merely knowing what the law is, and you think we have the law. We go to church. We've been baptized. We go to communion. And meanwhile, your heart is full of darkness. There's no love. There's no mercy. There's no justice. That's what you're doing. In fact, what you're doing is you're dragging people to darkness because they're turned off. They look at you and they go, I don't want to go to church if that's what it means. I don't want to be a part of, of Christianity if that's what it means. That's the problem in thinking this is the way to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to be baptized or you don't need to have communion. But what I'm saying is you need a heart conversion, not a head conversion. And, and here's the thing. Jesus spoke out so powerfully on this issue. None of this, none of these issues is, amounts to a hill of beans if your heart is not cleansed. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. This is an important topic. As I prayed about this this week, about before going on, really God laid this on my heart that I needed to go back and make sure I taught this properly. Matthew 9, verse 13. Verse 12, we'll start with. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't need your rituals. Your rituals are, are of no consequence to me when I see your heart. That's the way. This is what we're talking about when Jesus says this is the way. I am the way. Look also at Matthew 5, a couple, couple pages further back. Matthew 5. This is in the Beatitudes. Look at verse 30, 23. Jesus again. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What? I'm in the temple. I'm involved in worship. I'm going to sacrifice to you, God. Put your sacrifice down. I'm not interested in your sacrifice. There are people, there are things that you've done wrong, things that people have against you. Put your sacrifice down. Go out and make it right. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Go out and make it right. Then come back. You see how God elevates the heart? He's not interested in the ritualistic expression of religion. I can't em emphasize this enough. So much of the world has sold itself out to the ritualistic expression uh, of what they believe is the worship of God. And if you study the scripture, you will see that God is not interested in ritual. Ritual for uh, formalism. That's what turns people off. Because you see, they see people going week after week, week after week to church, week after week. I had a dear, a dear friend of mine uh, who was married to, to a guy who went to Mass every day. He went to Mass every day. 
And then he would come home and, and be horrid, awful, cruel. And she was turned off on Christianity, you understand? I don't want to be a part of this. There are a bunch of hypocrites. This is why the world calls us hypocrites. You understand? This is why the world calls us hypocrites. It's because we have advanced ritual formalism to that level. I want you to, and I'm going to tie this in with the Old Testament as well. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. This is very important. Isaiah chapter 1. This is a prophetic word that Isaiah is giving that God has given him directly. Verse 10. Verse 10. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, underline this, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Can you ever hear a stronger defense than that? I mean, that's God speaking. That's God speaking prophetically. Where he's actually saying, I'm sick of your prayers. I'm not answering your prayers. All you do is continue to come before me in mindless sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, yet your hearts have not repented. You don't seek mercy. You don't seek justice. You don't seek to do what I do. You, all you do is merely mouth the same religious formalism over and over and over again. Folks, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Uh, and I'm speaking to people who, who I think are sensitive to this subject. When you, t when you have people say to you, uh, I don't like Christians because they're hypocrites, the basic answer to that is, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I have to apologize for them. But the key is that we know what the real worship of God is, what the way is that Jesus is talking about. The way isn't religious formalism. The way is a personal relationship through Jesus Christ. A broken heart. A broken, repentant heart. I mean, that, that passage struck me. Struck me when I saw how, how God looks at this. 
um, and, and how he says, I'm just absolutely disgusted with the trampling of my courts. The trampling of my courts, meaning you come in week after week with the same uh, un, unfettered ritual instead of having a broken heart. And you see this out. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Oh, God, deliver us from this. God, give us a sensitivity on this issue. Help us, Lord, to be able to say, God, don't, don't let me get stuck into religious formalism. Help me to lead people to a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Help me to show people what the way is. And the way isn't through religious formality. The way is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Look also, if you would, at Matthew. Go back to Matthew. Again, this is Jesus. And I'm giving you all this because it relates again to no one comes to the Father except through me. This is the exclusivity of Jesus. I'm giving you, I am defining for you the way. You want to know what the way is? I'm giving you the way. Here it is. Now Jesus is going to speak to it as well. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. And first thing Jesus is saying, look, these are your religious leaders. Uh, on their face value, as they give the word of Moses and they read scripture, you should listen to what they say. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. What does that mean? It means we bring you to God, then we tie it up with a bag of religious formalities, rules, regulations, legalism. Here it is. This is what you need. Here's the way. And you fall. You fall. Instead of giving people a cross and saying, Jesus Christ, forget the rules. Forget the regulations. Let the Holy Spirit convict, convict people on these kinds of things. Verse 5, everything they do is done for men to see. This is important. This is what happens often, and we get caught up. We get caught up in religious formality. Why? Because I want people to see I'm a good man. Understand? Look at me. I go to church. I'm elevated in the church. All right? And you see, even back then, it's what the Pharisees were doing. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. You understand what that was? They would carry a bag around their neck in which they would put some of the commandments in there. They would have the commandments, and they'd have it in there. And then they would wear long tassels to show that they were pious, and they would walk around <laughs> and parade around so that you could see the tassels. Oh, yes. He's a holy man, all right? He's a holy man. You understand? God despises it. He despises it. Right? They love the place of honor at banquets. Jesus gets it, doesn't he? I mean, really, Jesus, is, 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 he just gets it. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. Do you think this is how God wants you to act? You come into a room, maybe filled with other Christians, you go, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to have the place. Where's the honor? 
Where's the place, the most significant place? I need to be in a place where the honor, where all the honor comes to me. Instead of understanding you were called to be a servant. You were called to be a servant. To wash the feet of the others. Not to uplift yourself. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have men call them rabbi. Oh, yes. Oh, teacher. I used to be very wary when people would call, who would meet me for the first time and would call me counselor. Counselor. My skin would crawl. Counselor. I'm not looking to be called counselor. I'm just a regular guy. But that's what happens. You see here, that's what these Pharisees did. They wanted their title. Oh, rabbi. Rabbi. Uh, instead of, of putting your face in the dust. And Jesus said when that, when that man called him good, good teacher, and he said, none is good. How about that? Jesus himself said it, none is good. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And understand what that means. We are all together. We're not elevating anybody. We're serving the same God. God wants humility as we approach the kingdom. And do not call anyone on earth father. I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> For you have one father and he is in heaven. You understand? You're not elevating anybody. Really, you're not elevating anybody. Yes, we respect our leaders. Yes, we respect our teachers uh, and our pastors. Yes, we respect them. But we don't elevate them uh, over and above what God wants. Because they are still human. And inevitably, when you come into that position, when you elevate people like that, when they fall, they collapse an entire church. You understand? This is the way. I'm giving you the way from Jesus. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. There it is. That's the essence of the way. The way is serving. The way is servanthood. The way is mercy and justice and humility and obeisance and putting your face in the dust. That is the way to God. Now, well, I'm telling you this because I recognize I'm, I'm speaking to a group of saved Christians. None of this is taking away from the fact that you're saved. But what I'm giving you is the way to a triumphant Christian life. You want to get the spiritual blessings from God? You want to have God pour everything into your life that you should have in order to serve him? This is how you have to live. It's that simple. This is the way. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. How's that? That's the kingdom of God. You want to make a big deal of yourself? You want to raise yourself up? Oh, yeah. Look, I'm so, the church is so lucky that they have me. Oh, it's so lucky that they have me. I'm impacting so many people's lives. Put your face in the dust. You don't think that there's a thousand other people God could call to replace you? Honestly, don't ever. Ever go down that thing where you say, well, boy, if I give this up, the whole thing's going to sink, you know? Don't ever go down that way. That's outside of God's will, really. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those 
who enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Why? Why? I mean, it's pretty serious, isn't it? Because after you bring them in, then you hang a bag of rules and regulations on them, formalism, uh, elevating the issue of physical circumcision. This is what it is. And instead, you haven't taught mercy, justice, humility, none of it. And he says, you've, you've brought him and taught him to be twice the son of hell as you are. Can you imagine? This is Jesus is talking here, folks. This is Jesus. I take this pretty serious. I mean, this is an incredible uh, teaching to me as we begin to see the Lord outline what it means to have the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can take all your religious formalism, all your rules, all your regulations, and not one element of it is going to bring people to God except if you come to me. Now, let's get something straight. I'm not saying that we don't need the law. I believe we do need the law. We need the law to teach us about what it means to have mercy. We need the law in order to have God come to and touch us in terms of showing the wickedness in our heart. We need a standard so that we know we can't meet the standard. That we can only meet the standard through the impact of Jesus Christ. This is a big deal. So when you want to understand what it means when Jesus said this verse, that there is only one way, I have just outlined for you all the various elements that you will see in this world by so-called well-meaning people, many of them even teachers, some of them even preachers, some of them even on television. Some of them even on Larry King. <laughs> All defining in their own opinion, well, no, no, that's a bit harsh. No, no, no. Look, folks, if Jesus said it, you can take it to the bank. All right? That's the essence of this lesson today. This is what Jesus said. It's not John Garippa. John Garippa's opinion's not worth two cents. Really. John Garippa's opinion is not worth two cents. But if John Garippa gives you the words of Jesus backed up by Scripture, well, then you better take it seriously. All right? Because God's going to hold you responsible for that. You heard it. You heard it here. God is speaking to your hearts. And now God wants you to be able to go out and speak to others. This is what it means. That's why this verse is critical. That's why this verse is one of the most important verses in the Bible. That's why we have an obligation to disabuse a world that doesn't understand the truth. All right? We have to show people this is what Jesus said. This is what it means to be exclusive. Don't get hung up. Even to those of you who think you're going to church, you're going to a ritual, you're going to mass, you're doing all these things in every possible denomination. And by the way, I'm not singling out any denomination. They all have warts. How many times have I told you that when you get into heaven, please, please don't go saying we're the Baptists. 
Where's the Presbyterians? How about the Catholics? Where are they? Don't go up there saying that. Get those words out of your mind because Jesus doesn't care about your denomination. You understand that? Jesus doesn't care. The only thing that Jesus cares is have you given your heart to him? Have you submitted your life to him? Have you bowed in humility to him? Have you put your face in the dust? Have you dedicated yourself for mercy, justice, to help the oppressed? Have you said, Lord, I want to be the hands and feet of your kingdom? I want to advance your word. It's not about me, Lord. I don't need to be lifted up. I don't need to be given a title. I don't need any of that, God. I want to serve you. Put my face in the dust, Lord. And when you do that, God will elevate you. God will use you. You don't have to elevate yourself. You don't have to go around saying to people, oh, yeah, I'm anointed. I have a special gift. You don't have to say it. You know why? The world recognizes it. The Holy Spirit tells people's hearts, you don't need that kind of passport. God's already put his stamp on your life. I intended to do the new outline today. <laughs> this is an example, honestly, this is an example of how the Holy Spirit operates. I felt it this week, I felt it this week, that this needed to be said in order to tie up, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your words. Lord, these words resonate so deeply in our hearts. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to live the kind of life you want us to live, and we're weak. And so, Lord, I ask for grace and strength poured into this group to help lift us up and make us conscious of what it means to be following the way, Lord. Help us in every possible way to deliver this message to a lost world. Inspire us, God to go out and speak one-on-one -on -one with people so that they know who you are. Lord, bless our people. Protect them this week and bring them back safely to follow. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.